What's up, guys, and welcome to the Fit Beat Report podcast. I'm your host, Christina, and today's episode, I am going to be talking to you guys about the evolution of the internet. So many of you have probably heard already about Web 3.0, and for good reason, there it's a hot topic right now. So let's get into this episode. All right, guys. So Web 1.0 refers to the early stages of the worldwide web evolution. Earlier, there were only a few content creators in Web 1.0. And really, there was only these web pages, right, that we saw that were very static and it just had one picture on them. And also, too, who can remember AOL, the dial-up internet, when we had to purchase the actual CD-ROM, insert it into the disc and the ejector and kind of like the CD player and upload the AOL actual web information technology um, and download it onto our modem, our hardware, and our computer. So when you think about Web 1.0, remember to think about Web 1.0 as static pages. Content is just published by a few people. And there's also no algorithms. There is no way of being able to socialize with one another. And it really is the first time we ever saw the hi or a little chat, little um, section for us to, you know, be able to send a chat back to one another. So that's easy enough to explain um, where Web 1.0 really came from. You know, it was only a certain group of people who created this internet technology and they were pretty much the gatekeepers, right? And it was very expensive to own a computer during this time. And a lot of people who did own a computer were, um, you know, only thought of as geeks. Um, And, you know, many people just saw them as like, you know, what's a computer that's not important. We don't need that. Right. So times have changed drastically and we actually do need computers more than we actually believe we do. And it's crazy because I even have done studies on this and I've done research where we interact with our computer monitor so much more than we do with any other person, probably um, on a daily. So as much as we probably as much as we do on a daily interact with with people. And that right now is where we're heading um, when we go into what Web 2.0 is. Now, guys, Web 2.0, I think this is our favorite web um, evolution where we, you know, went from MySpace to you know, being cool, finding out we can make our own page with our own, you know, music that's included on it. I don't know if you remember that, but I do. Um, You could play your own music on it. So when people came to your page, they really did get a sense of your personality um, and who you were. 
and that you were also able to place your top five, which was also something that made you um, part of the cool club. And then we moved into Facebook, right? And so Facebook came along and Facebook changed everything for us. Many of us didn't want to socialize with people who we had, you know, no longer, um, you know, had had any more, uh, no longer been in touch with um, from high school, but some of us do still want to, um, you know, be nosy in people's lives. And so we added them on um, Facebook and then Instagram came along and we realized that Instagram was really helping to shape um, our personalities and really shape who we are with these so-called picture perfect pictures that we were seeing on display. And when you think of Web 2.0, you know, this is really cool. Let me just say this, for instance, that Web 2.0 was actually coined by Darcy Dinuki in 1999, in the 1990s, right before the 2000s. And that's exactly right. Right in the early 2000s, that's really when MySpace took off. And so what Darcy is saying is that Web 2.0 refers to worldwide websites, which highlight user-generated content, usability, and interoperability for end users. Web 2.0 is also called the participative social web. It is not referred to a modification to any technical specification. So these are just basically web pages that anyone can design, which many people in this time were then developing websites. This is the time when Web 2.0 developers in JavaScript frameworks were um, were huge and they were creating their own websites. WordPress was one of the big uh, players that came on the scene so that we could have our own websites. Wix came about making website development so much easier. So then you have like everybody and anyone can have their own website. And then on top of that, we got Shopify. So then Shopify became the next uh, website that allowed people to use e-commerce and sell their, their, um, their, their, their products online and anyone could do it if you just made an account and you signed online. So we've evolved a lot. I mean, we've evolved greatly from where the internet was, once was, where it was just like unheard of, unknown. It was just a static page. It looked very frumpy. It was very pixelated. Um, you couldn't really see much into what has been now blown into web 2.0 where these websites are beautiful anyone is a content publisher anyone can publish to the content you can publish your pictures your photos your images your words you can say whatever you want to say and pretty much people are very social on here and they're very interactive with web 2.0 and that's the point that Web 2.0 was, you know, created for podcasting, blogging, um, social media, social networks, and web content voting. That's basically what it is. And now there's a new word, and it's a trending word, and it's really hot. And I like being hot. So I 
like to talk about this new technology. And I love this new hot word, this new hot um, web space called Web 3.0. So let's jump right into this hot topic, this new hot trending um, technology that everybody just cannot stop talking about. And sometimes it's in a good light and sometimes it's in the negative space um, just because it is decentralized. So those of you who don't know what decentralization means, um, that there's not nobody who is the actual owner. And so because it's decentralized, nobody controls it. Nobody owns it. And the point of decentralization was to own your own data. Um, in Web 2.0, something that I did not um, touch on was, but I gave more examples of data. So when I talked about the blogging, I talked about the content creating, talked about the publishing, and I said the podcasting, that's all data. And that's what Web 2.0 really collects is all of your data. So decentral, but by being decentralized and decentralization, they don't get to own the data. So Web 2.0 does not own the data. In decentralization and Web 3.0, we own the data. Why? Because Web 3.0 can be made and created, which is blockchain technology. And in these, in the blockchain technology, the data is owned by the actual person who is publishing onto the blockchain. And so it's not owned by a certain tech company. Um, it's owned by the actual person who's minting um, on the blockchain. And for instance, it's an NFT. And right now what's really huge and what's really big is crypto art. It's an art, it's a digital art revolution with this blockchain technology that has taken off. And it's, it's, it's supposed to take off. Art is supposed to lead change, right? And it's supposed to change, uh, help us change for the better. And so um, I'm saying this because we're just now seeing how many people associate NFTs to crypto art or to this art um, image. And that's not what an NFT is. An NFT, if you don't know the definition, is a non-fungible token. So this non-fungible token is that. That means it's non-fungible. It cannot be broken. And anything can be an NFT. Let's just, let me just put that out there. Anything can be an NFT, and we will see many more things in the future become NFTs. We're going to be able to see our driver's license as an NFT, our birth certificates as an NFT, our land deeds as an NFT, um, our medical records as an NFT, and that's on, or on the blockchain. And that's just one example as to what non-fungible token is and its capacity to what it can contribute to society and it's not just a jpeg like most people think and it's not just an ape that's not what that is it's technology it's an actual technology and it's a revolutionary technology that is decentralized and we own our own data and the best example that i can give with this is for instance our medical records if you go to the doctor and you move from one city to the next city and you need your medical records sent. I know I've moved several times and 
my medical records don't don't always make it to my new medical office. And if the medical office, if I'm healthy and there's nothing wrong with me, my medical office really doesn't need to keep track of my medical records. At least that's my experience and what's happened for me. I have not ever had a single medical office tell me that they've transferred my records. Um, and then can you just imagine though, if someone who was sick, I think they would have a better, they, I would hope they would do a better job in actually keeping up with their records because they do have a record of medical illness or some type of disease. So I say this to say, if you have a medical record that needs to go with you so that your next doctor is able to um, keep track of your illness, how amazing would it be if you had your medical records on the blockchain? It is possible and you are the owner. That means that any doctor's office who wants access to your medical records needs to ask you. And I am all for that. I am all for owning our own medical records. And I am for owning our own medical records because sometimes my records do not get sent. And who knows where they have been? Who knows what, um, you know, I have missed out just because I've been healthy, but that doesn't mean anything, you know, um, to keep record of anything in my history. And so I would want to be able to go onto my blockchain and have my medical records for myself and to keep them for me. No more of the doctor saying that they have this authority, which should have never been given to them to begin with, but that's another podcast episode. They should have never have the ability to tell us if we can or cannot have our medical records. We can have our medical records. We should have our medical records and we should own them. It should be stored on the blockchain and they should be stored there. And when a doctor wants access to it, we give them the access and we can even give them a time limit on the access to the our medical records. And then once that access is the time runs out, they no longer have access to it. They have to contact us again and they have to request that access. How amazing would that be? That definitely makes me feel like I'm more in control over my medical history and my medical records. So if you found, found this episode interesting, please leave me a review, guys. I appreciate um, my community for listening to me and tuning in to my episodes and lending me your ears. So please leave me um, a rating and definitely leave me your thoughts. And as always, guys, you can reach me on social media. I am Christina the Fit Butte on Twitter, the Fit Butte. So thank you so much for lending me your ears today. As always, guys, peace and love.